Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of And Finally with me, Sam Vader. Where this week we are going to be doing, I suppose another more contemporary uh, person, uh, more contemporary than the person last week as well. Uh, because this week we are doing another I suppose, personal hero of mine and that would be Stan Lee. Um, I'm sure many of you know that name, especially with the more recent successes of Marvel in the, uh, in the film industry. But he is a personal hero of mine, so I thought let's let's do an episode on him. Uh, he's a very interesting man, and yeah. But obviously, before we get on with the main part of the episode this week, I will once again say that obviously Black Lives Matter is still a very serious issue, and the fact it doesn't get enough media attention is frankly not okay. So make sure to use the hashtag BLM or hashtag Black Lives Matter whenever you talk about this issue on social media, and make sure you do keep talking about this issue on social media to make sure that our voices are heard and that change will come. You can obviously also go to www.blacklivesmatter.com where there you can uh, find resources to educate yourself, help educate others, and if you can give monetarily, but obviously you don't have to, you can do so on that website or find ways to help out non-monetarily. But this is still an incredibly important campaign that we should all still be talking about to make sure everyone goes and takes to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, if that thing's still going, and every single form of social media, and make sure you still keep the conversation going until real change is indeed made. But with that done, out of the way, let's get on with the main part of the episode this week, Stan Lee. Now, obviously, to me, there's one phrase, I before I even close get into the facts and figures, there's one phrase I've always used to describe Stan Lee, and I think it's pretty accurate, and that is, Stan Lee is the hero that made heroes, and, God, I'm actually getting teary-eyed thinking about it, um, Jesus, and I remember him dying back in 2018, that was a big hit to me as well, similar to Chadwick Boseman, hearing that Stan Lee had gone was a big shock to me, and I remember being somewhat glad, though, hearing that he had filmed a cameo for um, Avengers Endgame, though. So he did still get to be there for the culmination of his, well, not his big venture, but the venture that I suppose wouldn't have been possible without him all those years before. Um, yeah, the hero that created heroes, and, and he really was, and he will be sorely missed, but his legacy lives on in the MCU, and every... Pretty much every Marvel comic that's been printed since then is a result of him, whether he invented the character or not. But anyway, let's get to talking more about the man himself. So, Stan Lee, born Stanley Martin Lieber, was born on the 28th of December 1922, and obviously sadly died on the 12th of November 2018. Um, he was obviously an American comic book writer, editor, publisher and producer and a very famous one at that. He, um, he became a household name when he rose through the ranks of what was at the time a family run business but that business would eventually become known as Marvel Comics and he would one day become its chief creative officer, chief creative leader uh, for over two decades and it was from this that took the company from the small division publishing company that it was into the multimedia powerhouse corporation that we know it as today with the MCU and millions and millions of comics and graphic novels some of which are staring at me right now because I mean Marvel 
expands far beyond just Marvel. The original Transformers run, before it was a TV series, was done by Marvel. I remember, it's a weird tidbit, maybe a bit of a tangent, but I suppose it's relevant to what Marvel became, and this is all due to Stan Lee's influence. Um, yeah, so when the Transformers were first being turned into the Transformers, um, they approached Marvel first to write the character names and descriptions and personalities for each of the Transformers, and therefore they got a comic series before they even got the TV series, and that's why there's a famous comic book uh, cover that I always picture when I think about it, of the black uh, Spider-Man in the Black Venom costume um, swinging himself around Megatron, and that's just a random thing, and obviously Marvel have obviously done comics of Star Wars as well, so Stan Lee sort of, I'm pretty sure he was chief creative director in at that time, so he he led the way for them to branch out as well. But sticking back to Marvel itself and its core, he did a lot for the company as well. In fact, there is a long list of characters and character groups that he invented alongside other people, normally Jack Kirby as the illustrator. Um, but I'll just list some of the more popular characters and teams that uh, Stan Lee is famous for. So it includes the likes of the X-Men, Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, Black Widow, the Fantastic Four, Black Panther, Daredevil, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Scarlet Witch, the Avengers themselves are a result of Stan Lee and uh, his personal favourite um, and a lot of people's personal favourite superhero, of course. The amazing Spider-Man himself was Stan Lee's most prideful creation to the point where Stan Lee viewed Spider-Man as his own son and I'm pretty sure he said in a few interviews that when he wrote Spider-Man he wrote it as the son he never had because he had two daughters um well one we'll get to that but he never had a son Spider-Man was the son but he lived vicariously through having Spider-Man as a son in fact it's reported that on his deathbed I can't remember who he said it to but he turned to someone and said look after my boy for me and he was referring to Spider-Man or look after my son for me that like he cared about Spider-Man that much that even sort of when he knew he was dying, Spider-Man was one of his big things. He was like, make sure this character is done right. Like, I love this character. Don't. So, Spider-Man was his personal favourite um, because Spider-Man was an everyday guy, and that's what he loved about him. He was a regular guy. He was just a good guy, and you know, don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure he came up with him on sort of a dare when someone was like, oh. I bet you can't make a silly superhero. He was like, oh, what if I made one that's stuck to walls? And then he eventually got got to Spider-Man. Um, ironically enough, Iron Man, who's obviously now one of the most popular superheroes in the entire world, was also made on a bet when someone said, I bet you can't make a superhero that no one should really like, but make them like him. So Stan Lee came up with Iron Man, the narcissistic billionaire playboy who's a bit of an arsehole and made the world fall in love with him and even more so now with obviously a very charismatic performance by Robert Downey Jr he's now one of the most beloved superheroes in the world and my personal favourite in the MCU so Stanley had a talent for making these heroes both of Spider-Man and Iron Man obviously Spider-Man being his personal favourite were sort of done on whims and bets and sort of ludicrousy but turned into such bigger characters the fact that Spider-Man when he viewed him as a son says a lot about what he could do to a character that even he could encapsulate himself in those characters as well and not just other people um but uh, obviously following his retirement from marvel in the 1990s he, he did remain obviously a public figurehead in the company um and 
frequently made obviously cameo appearances in all the live action films up until Endgame uh, and obviously he appeared in many Marvel based uh, TV shows as well voicing characters or voicing himself or you know so he was still very much involved in Marvel and people would still consult him about Marvel even when he wasn't involved in the company because he was still everyone knew Stan Lee and what he brought to the comic book industry he was an absolute legend but anyway maybe getting a bit ahead of myself um, and maybe fanboying slightly over over one of my heroes so we'll get back to I suppose his life um, he was actually born in Manhattan in New York City uh, in an apartment in the apartment sorry of his Romanian born Jewish immigrant parents Cecilia and Jack Leiber and uh, this was at the corner of West 98th Street and West End Avenue in Manhattan now I don't know what those directions mean if you're from America you might understand that um, Stan Lee himself was obviously then raised in a Jewish household but in a 2002 interview he was asked if he believed in God and this is his response quote well let me put it this way no I'm not gonna try to be clever I really don't know I just don't know end quote so yes he was brought up in a Jewish household but he wasn't sure if there was a god which I suppose technically makes him more agnostic he seems like he wants to believe in one but he doesn't really know and that's fine I mean no, no one knows so that was his uh, yeah interesting bit of information I didn't know about that um, he did, however, have one younger brother named Larry. Um, in 2006, uh, he said that as a child, he was actually influenced by reading and watching movies himself, especially those with Errol Flynn playing heroic roles. So from a very young age, uh, Stan Lee was inspired by heroes. Um, but he made it very clear that he didn't like sort of straight-laced heroes who just were good. Um, a perfect example of that, and my probably one of my least favourite superheroes, if not my least favourite, is Superman. Because Superman's just, oh, I'm good. Yeah. And it's like, cool, get a personality guy. And he wasn't interested by characters like that. He liked characters that were real, they were people. In fact, Stan Lee was seen as the pioneer of the naturalistic approach to comic book writing, which we'll get to a bit more later. Um, but yeah, he's definitely an early influence is watching these heroic roles, but watching heroes that struggled really influenced his works later on. And he um, attended Dwight Clinton, Clinton, Clinton High School in the Bronx. I've heard of that place in America. I assume it's in New York. Um, but in his youth, uh, Lee did enjoy writing and actually entertained dreams of dreams of one day writing the Great American Novel. Uh, the Great American Novel is basically uh, an idea. It, it's not a thing. It's a it's more of a concept of this all American book with good American values, American uh, characters, an American hero, and this is sort of what it's meant to represent. You know. It, it's meant to be that all-American book. I suppose John Steinbeck sort of did it in another way by taking the American dream and turning it on its head in Of Mice and Men. But Stan Lee one day dreamed of writing this great American novel. And in a weird way, if, if you if you think about it, he, he kind of did go on to do this in his own way one day. He didn't write a novel, but he wrote the comics, looking at characters like Captain America and even his own, his own baby, Spider-Man. These are characters that 
sort of embody America in that respect and what America is meant to be. Maybe not what America is, that's a completely different story. But they embody what America is meant to be. Freedom, justice, you know. Spider-Man especially, your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man, he's, he's not about that big, yes he can join the Avengers and yes he can handle Avengers level threats and everything. Spider-Man's just your everyday hero, he's just trying to help people out and so in a weird way, I, I'd say that Stanley sort of met his dreams, but he did it his own way in the creation of characters like Spider-Man. He, he made that great American novel about American ideals and, and passions and through these fictional characters that were obviously extraordinary. So I'd say he did he did meet that dream. Whether he knew that or realised that himself, I don't know, but he definitely, in my opinion, he achieved that dream. Um, he said that in his youth, he worked multiple uh, part-time jobs, such as writing obituaries uh, for a news service and press releases for the National Tuberculosis Centre, delivering sandwiches for the Jack May Pharmacy to offices in Rockefeller Centre, working as an office boy for the trouser manufacturer, ushering at the Rivoli Theatre on Broadway, and selling subscriptions to the New York Herald Tribune newspaper. So obviously he was very much, he was kept himself busy and was working from a young age. What's ironic is most of these are all entertainment based or he's definitely in writing and surrounded by writers a lot of the time when he's doing these things which probably helped influence him even more despite the fact he definitely had that passion for writing already going for him. Um, but at the age of 15 uh, Lee actually entered a high school essay competition uh, sponsored by the New York Herald Tri Tribune called the Biggest News of the Week contest. Lee claimed to have won the prize for three straight weeks, goading the newspaper to write to him and actually ask him to let someone else win. Um, <clears throat> which I think is brilliant, you know, that's... <laughs> Stanley was that good at writing at a young age that the newspaper that hosted these writing competitions actually had to personally write to him to say, look, can you um can you let someone else win for once, please? You're you're too good at this. However, in the same letter, or it might have not been the same letter, he did um the paper did suggest actually looking into writing professionally for him. Um, and Lee claims that that is a line that changed his life. Um because this was the first time he seriously thought, oh, I could be a writer, I could get into this, and I could do something, clearly I'm doing something right, and as a big fan of his works and a great admirer of him, he definitely, definitely did something right. Um, yeah, which is incredible, I mean, imagine being, imagine like being that good at a competition, that the organisers of the competition start writing to you, like, look, can you, can you let someone else win, please? That's, that's impressive. Um, he did, though, graduate from high school early, aged 16 and a half, and in 1339, he joined the WPA Federal Theatre Project. Um, a bit about his personal life, though. He married Joan Clayton Bucock. Uh, yeah, Bucock. It's hard to remember how to say something sometimes. Um, yeah, she was actually, though, originally from Newcastle in England. Big up England, not as much Newcastle, but um, I'm not from Newcastle, but uh, and they got married on December the 5th, 1947. Uh, their daughter, Joan Celia J.C. Lee, 
ACLC, just the shortened version, uh, was born in 1950. But another daughter, Jan Lee, died a few weeks after her birth in 1953. So he did have two daughters, really. Only one made it uh, past infancy, unfortunately. Um, uh, but um, sadly as well, on July the 6th, 2017, so that would have been a year before Stanley himself passed away, his wife of 69 years, Joan, died of complications from a stroke, uh, which is really unfortunate, but she was 95 when she died, so she, she'd reached a, a long life, um, much like he did himself, uh, strangely enough, obviously it was only a year later. Um, but going a little bit back in time again, Stanley actually entered the United States Army in early 1942 and served within the US as a member of the Signal Corps, which uh, was a group that repaired telegraph poles and other communications equipment that were vital for war effort, especially considering what was going on in the 1940s. He was later transferred though to the Training Film Division, where he worked writing manuals, training film slogans, and occasionally cartooning uh, as sort of propaganda and ways to help new recruits to the army. So he'd be like making the training videos or, you know, or writing them or cartoons or illustrations to help any new recruits who are getting into the US military forces. Um, but it's not until the late 1950s that we, we get to the Stan Lee that became the legend. Because it was in the late 1950s that DC Comics editor Julius Schwartz revived the superhero archetype and uh, experienced a significant uh, success with this updated version of The Flash in the Silver Age of Comics. I think it was the Silver Age, the 1950s, where they brought it back. So it went from, at that point, a bit of DC trivia, I know it's not relevant to Stanley. So that's when it would have gone from Jay Garrick to Barry Allen, who's obviously the most famous Flash. Um, so it was this that sort of revived the comic, especially the superhero comic uh, genre and a big boom in the industry at this point. Um, but he didn't just stop with the revival of The Flash and other titans like Superman and Batman and the rest of DC Comics because those, those, those individual heroes would now join forces to become the Justice League of America, the first ever quote-unquote super team um, in the comic industry. And that really shook up the whole game. Like, how can these these heroes come together for the first time. Sort of imagine 2012 with the first Avengers film, but instead you've got them all coming together for the first time ever, and while it's not on film, it's on print. And it was it was a big thing. It really changed the whole industry and genre. Um, but in response, publisher Martin Goodman assigned Lee to come up with a new superhero team um, to, to combat, and this is obviously for what would be known as Marvel Studios later on. Um, so it was a big task and Lee found it quite daunting, but it was actually his wife who gave him the words that inspired him to do what he did and make the characters that he did. But Lee's wife actually suggested that he experimented with the stories he preferred, not the stories that the genre were used to. Because he was at this point considering changing careers anyway, so he had nothing to lose. So his wife told him to not do what the industry wants, and not do what everyone's used to. Try something different. Write stories that you would want to read. Make characters that you'd want to read about. Uh, and it was at this point that Lee decided to act on this advice. And actually, this is where he changed the game forever. 
because he didn't just have superheroes who were super and they were great and this, that and the other. He made humans first, superheroes second. He, he added humanity to these characters. Like I was saying with Superman, he, oh, and he's not a human anyway, but he's obviously developed more and more flaws as time has gone on because they realised they have to keep up with this more naturalistic type of writing. But back then, he had no flaws. He was just, I'm Superman. Do, 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 do. And Stan Lee realised that, no, he liked characters with flaws. He liked humans who had problems, issues, not just these godlike characters. Because that's the thing. The Justice League are godlike characters, even though, yeah, you've got the likes of Batman on it, who obviously is a regular man himself. But Justice League is very much based off the gods of Olympus. Um, <clears throat> they were godlike characters, and this comes from that early origin where they weren't very human at all. They were just titans. They were unbeatable, untouchable. Whereas Marvel were coming with an approach with deeply troubled characters. They say, look at Iron Man. He's a narcissistic sociopath and a serious alcoholic as well. Like that's it's a big contrast. But this is what Lee did. He wanted to introduce complex, natural characters. And he made sure that his characters would have things like bad tempers, fits of melancholy and vanity. They'd bicker amongst themselves and they'd worry about paying their bills or impressing the girl next door. Or even get bored or sometimes sick. These were characters that were real. I mean, look at Spider-Man. His whole thing is impressing either Gwen Stacy or MJ, depending on what line of the comics you're reading. But that's so human. He just wants to impress the girl next door, but also be a superhero. Thor, the god of thunder, you know, has parent issues and he's got to learn to be humble, this, that and the other. The Hulk is a deeply psycho uh, psychologically troubled man. The Fantastic Four don't always get on. They bicker about leadership and the right ways to do things. The Avengers never get on. Black Widow is a spy with a dodgy past. You know, these are characters that have layers to them and this is what he wanted to introduce to the industry um but the first superheroes that lee and artist jack kirby actually created together were the fantastic four and he's obviously very famous for the fantastic four because he had to make a superhero team he made a superhero team most people i suppose might have assumed from what i was saying and the fact that i was like oh it was a response to the justice league this is when he came up with the Avengers, but no, the Fantastic Four came first. The Avengers came much, much later. Well, not, not ridiculously later, I think they were 60s, I think, the Avengers. But yeah, Fantastic Four came first, and they were the first answer to the Justice League. But it worked. Stan Lee's more naturalistic approach made Marvel Comics now a titan in the industry. And it was starting to really compete with DC, obviously, and it, that's a competition that's lasted until today and it's a it's a trend that DC have picked up on and now their characters are deeply flawed. I mean god look at Batman, he's the most troubled person alive I think, other than the Joker. But that's the point. They they DC wouldn't have had such complex characters as Batman and the Joker if Stan Lee didn't change the game. Or maybe they would have, but it would have come later or in a different way. And I think so in a weird way <coughs> DC fans who love the likes of Batman, Joker, Wonder Woman, all these characters that have all these great flaws, in a weird way have Stan Lee and Marvel to thank for it because he's the one that changed the genre forever. It was no longer superheroes are good at everything, they can't be stopped, ha ha ha, to no, that's just a regular guy, but he'll try and get over his problems, put on a 
costume and use his powers to save other people if he can. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. Spider-Man's still a human. He's still got his own problems. He's a teenager going through school. He, he's in love with this girl. He doesn't know if he can get her. But he still puts on the spider suit and goes out and saves people because he has an obligation, because he can do things other people can't. And it's that type of deep writing that has now obviously infected the comic book genre. And I'm glad it did because it added so much depth to these characters. If, if he didn't do that, we wouldn't have superhero films like the Dark Knight trilogy, like the MCU, you know, like the X-Men films. You wouldn't have these characters that are characters. They, they, they wouldn't have such rich and real personalities and flaws. There wouldn't be characters you could relate to. When you watch The Avengers, you can relate to those characters. When you watch the Dark Knight trilogy, you can relate to those characters. That might have never been a thing if Stan Lee didn't take one risk at changing the game. But he did. The hero that created heroes changed the game and the landscape of comic books forever. And quite frankly, I'm very glad that he did. And I'm sure a lot of you out there who are comic book fans who are listening to this are very glad about that as well. Because he gave us the comics that we know and love today. Um... Where was I? <laughs> yes. So yeah, he obviously changed the way comics were perceived and seen. And whilst DC was essentially the driving force behind the re-emergence of superhero comics, it was Marvel that changed the landscape and changed the way that all comics from that point onwards, superhero comics in particular, would be perceived. But he did more than that because he was even the first person to always have a panel dedicated to crediting the authors and illustrators of a page in a comic book or the whole comic book and he did this every issue to make sure that everyone involved got the credit they deserved which obviously is a big thing it, it shows a lack of ego and a kindness that he wanted to give all these great people the, the recognition they deserved and that's something you still find in comic books today normally now at the back or the front of the comic book not necessarily in the middle of the story but that's something that he brought into it and he's decided to give the credit to the creators that they rightfully and truly deserved. Um, but I suppose less about the, the light of his life, we're getting towards the end of it now. In April 2018, the Hollywood Reporter actually published a report that claimed that Stan Lee was actually a victim of elder abuse. Uh, the report asserted that among others, uh, Kaya Morgan, a business manager of Lee and a memorabilia collector had been isolating Lee from his trusted friends and associates following his wife's death and this was done in an attempt to try and access some of his wealth. Uh, obviously after this uh, an order was put out that she was to stay away from Lee and the rest of his family and he was he was relatively okay. Um, and, but also backtracking a bit, this is to lead up to everything that finally it happened in September 2012 Stanley actually went an operation to insert a pacemaker obviously into his chest because he was getting a bit old at that point uh, and this was obviously he then had to cancel his um, planned appearances uh, for the conventions that year and obviously his final convention appearance was obviously in 2017 however he did say that he loved going to conventions he loved meeting the fans because he did it for them all along like the fans were what made everything he did so worthwhile because they were the ones reading and enjoying these characters don't get me wrong he loved it anyway and he loved every moment of it but he knew that it was the fans that he loved 
you know, he knew he was bringing so much joy to children, adults everywhere, and that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to, oh god, I'm gonna get emotional again. <laughs> he wanted to unite people and, um, sorry, bring them together through his storytelling, and, and he loved that. But obviously, the last time he got to go to a convention was obviously 2017. Um, but, um, Unfortunately, uh, Stanley died on the 12th of November 2018, and I remember seeing the news, and oh, I couldn't stop crying. And then, obviously, loads of videos come up on Facebook, and that doesn't help. That just makes everything worse for you, but it was awful. Uh, but this was actually six weeks before what would have been his 96th birthday. And he died at the Cedars uh, Cyani Medical Center in Los Angeles, California. Uh, earlier that year, uh, he revealed to the public that he had actually been battling uh, pneumonia. Uh, but the immediate cause of death was listed uh, on his death certificate, apparently, as cardiac arrest with respiratory failure and congestive heart failure uh, as the main underlying causes. But the pneumonia probably added to that. Uh, and his body was actually cremated and the ashes were given to his daughter. And obviously from there, no one knows what, what happened with these ashes because that is down to his family and I, I wouldn't want to breach that that privacy but yeah that is the hero that created heroes one of my personal heroes and I tell you what he's sorely missed it's going to be weird watching my old films now without his cameos you know he sort of it was a nice thing looking out for him in all those films because he genuinely said I remember this in the interview as well I saw with him that his biggest most proud thing in life was appearing in those MCU films. I wasn't writing the characters or anything, it was just those two minute cameos were the proudest moments of his life because he knew that he's done something that meant something to people. I remember him saying that the best time was ever was on that first Avengers set where he saw all those characters coming together for the first time. He knew that he'd done something important with his life and that he'd really made a difference and so they were the best moments of his life were appearing in those films knowing that he had done something that really impacted on people and was now this big thing that everyone could care about and that his stories were touching the lives of so many. And yeah, he was um he was a legend and will be missed, but his changes will forever be felt in the world and his legacy lives on in all those Marvel films and comics that continue to get printed. Um, so, yeah, you're Miss Stanley, but Excelsior to you, you, oh, you did it, you absolutely smashed it out of the park, and always with a smile on your face, always encouraging other people, and making the best out of everything you could, so, yeah, Excelsior to you, and I hope you have a good rest. Uh, that will obviously then, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> tie up the, uh, the end of that episode um but not without obviously a word from our sponsors who are this week as always king styles apparel you can check that out at kingseyes.life slash store and you can go there and you can find a plethora of collections there's a value wear collection which is my one with brilliantly designed shirts by king's eyes himself you have the clansman unite collection with brilliant shirts designed by edo ninja and schmerk you have the King Styles uh, just collection itself, which go check it out. Or the creators of King's Eyes one, and sorry, not King Styles, whole thing's called King Styles. 
I meant the uh, State Gint collection, all of which are brilliant. There are more collections on the way. I've seen some of the brilliant designs he's got planned, and we have some great plans for upcoming variations of things such as the Failure collection. We now do brilliant accessories as well, such as face masks, uh, phone cases, many other things. There are jogging bottoms, there are shorts, there are hoodies, there are shirts. There's everything you could want, and it, we're still working on more, so don't you worry. And when I say we, I mean King's Eyes. I just tell him what I think would look good on a shirt, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. So please do go check that out and support your favourite creators. But also, why not support me by, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or any other service, if there's a way of rating the podcast, why not do that? You don't have to give me five stars if you didn't enjoy it. Give me whatever rating you feel like, and if you can leave a review, you can do that. If not, go to kingseyes.life, where you can leave a review on the show page, on the episode page. Or, you know, follow me on Twitter, uh, at and finally SV, where you can let me know what you thought of this episode. Or follow me personally, Saiyan Vader, which is at Vader Saiyan, where once again, you can let me know what you think of the podcast. You can also join my Discord server, link to that is on my Twitter and on kingseyes.life, also links to the Twitter on there, the failures and finalists, where you can join a community, get to know more people who like the podcast, interact with me, potentially be on the podcast, and give me more ideas for the podcast. So it's a great place to be, is in a Discord server, or follow me on Twitter, because that is where a lot of updates regarding the show and ideas will be coming out. So, yeah, without further ado, thank you so much for listening, guys. I really appreciate your support every week. We're getting so close to 400 views, listens, listens, not views. You can't watch a podcast, but you can listen to a podcast. 400 listens. This is incredible. I'm so glad at the growth of this show, and I'm so glad that everyone out there is really enjoying it. So thank you so much. Let's hope we get to 400, and I'll speak to you next week, guys.